There goes our familiar lyrics of Alvin Lee and 10 years after uh, 30 decades, 30 years ago, not decades, years ago, maybe 40. I love to change the world, didn't know what to do. Saw the problem, so didn't he? How prophetic. Um, I, unfortunately for us, I didn't see the problems yesterday, and uh, so we didn't have a show. Roger Sales, obviously, with you here at Radio Ranch and People's Patriot Network, and uh Yesterday, got a few minutes into what was going to be a good show. I had some interesting things on my mind I wanted to bring up, discuss with you. I had some interaction with the audience. Chris is on there with us. And while Alvin Lee saw the problems, I didn't see the problem yesterday of a just a nanosecond, nanosecond interruption. Um, it's what I'm told it was. Came, you know, boom, but computer's dead. Ah, see there the uh the 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 aforementioned Chris Cave joining us again here on Tuesday's well, good program. Good morning, sir. Tuesday's program on the twenty second of January. I neglected to say that because I was explaining that we didn't have a show yesterday because I didn't have Alvin Lee's sure. for foresight from 30 40 years ago on seeing the problems and i didn't see the uh little short nano second interruption of electricity yesterday which ordinarily wouldn't be that big a deal but in the circumstances i got with this very slow boot up computer just the boot up sequence is exceedingly slow i need to get in there and see if i can get somebody clean that some of that stuff out I think there's some gaming stuff that came with this computer and whatnot. It was a, a gaming computer that I bought. I think some of that stuff's clogging it up. But regardless, it goes through this uh, uh, unbelievably slow reboot process, and then it hits Windows. And even though you can go in the back and turn updates off and stuff, you can't stop these, these security updates. Okay, now here's Shane calling in, so let me see if I can add him. I had problems with this yesterday. Let's see if we can add Shane in here. So uh, Microsoft, even though you turn off the update option in the back, little toggle switch now, it's going to force the... available, so please leave your name and number after the tone. At the tone, please record your message. Shane? When you finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hello, Earth to whoever this is on the mailbox here. Shane, is that you? Have I got you? Now you're calling back in. What the hell? Okay, let's see what's going on here. I can't even do a radio show because of all this crap. Um, I'm going to try you again, Shane, answer the phone. And if you want to join us, please, <sighs> I tell you, Chris, it's one thing after another. Chris, are you still there? I cut Chris off too. Good morning. Good morning, Shane. Chris, are you still there? 
Holy smokes, man. I'll tell you, it's a, he must have had to go. All right, now hold on, Doc. Doc, I'm going to try and get you in here. I tried this two or three times yesterday. And if you don't answer, this is the this is the only line I've got for that source that's calling in right there. So if you don't answer it, I don't know what to do. And I can't take up the whole program trying to get you guys on. Shane, did you have something that you wanted to contribute? Is that you, Doc? Shane. Okay. Um, boy, I'll tell you. Shane, how you doing? Yes. Did you have something to contribute? Did you have? See, you, you guys aren't going to be able to call in and just listen, just to listen here when you got other avenues that you can listen on. You, can you see the confusion that it's causing? Yes. Okay. Yes, totally. Okay, good. You want me to hang up? No. I, do you have a question or comment, or do you just? I know you like to call in and just listen in the background. I guess it makes you feel like you're a part of the program, but with this. Microsoft change I, I obviously can't hardly do this I'm dropping people off I can't get other people on if you got something constructive and we've got a profile in there or I can get your number and I can call you but when I see something pop up and I try and call it back and it doesn't connect and it's the only one I've got I don't know what else to do but you see it's already totally distracted me and it's taken up the first almost five minutes of the program Yes, yes. So, hmm. Okay, now, I don't know. I, had a, I have no idea what the hell happened to Chris. It shows all three of you guys are on here now. Hmm. Boy, what a mess. What a mess these guys have done. Add people to the call. Hell, I'm trying to figure out who's on the call. I'm trying to figure out where they are. Oh, man, I'll tell you. Yesterday, electricity, today, software. Just one little fun thing after another. Now, it looks like Shane hang, hung up. No, no, this just changed. No, so. I'm right here. All right. What's up with you? What happened to you yesterday? Let's go into the detail about it. I've been trying to talk about it for the last six minutes. Okay, I had a drop, a nanosecond drop in electricity. Unfortunately, comes back on for most people, but with my setup, it throws my computer off. So now I got to go through a reboot process, which is exceedingly slow with this computer. I don't know why, it just is. Okay, then when I get finished with this slow boot up process, Windows is going to reload updates, what they call security updates and evidently was they just load some others on there uh for adobe acrobat and other kind of things that you don't even use hardly okay so then you got to go through the update process and then that involves a reboot so now you got the original reboot the update process now you got to go through another exceedingly long reboot and it comes in and it re loads another little set of updates which means another reboot so even though i got the damn thing turned off in the back they got three updates in there and the problem is once you get through that process which is about 45 minute process shane 45 wow. minutes okay 
And by the time you get through that, now the updates that they installed are the ones that I'd removed earlier because they're locking my computer up. It happened two or three times. And so then you got to go in and uninstall the updates that they just forced on you. Wow. So that, that even takes a few more minutes. Okay. Now, look, Doc, I, got, I see you're calling, Doc. I'm going to hang up because I can't. All right, just hold on. Doc, how are you doing, Doc? Good morning. How are you doing? Well, I, I, I would, I've been trying to connect with you, but you see in this new Skype, now I had to put the other person on hold to talk to you. I can't do it like we used to have to do it, so I have to call you back when you call in. But you've got to have a profile in Skype to do that. And when you call in, I call you back on your profile that I have listed, and you don't pick up. Oh, uh, well, yesterday... Uh I kept getting hung up on. I kept getting, uh, it would ring. And yes, and that's because I can't, that's because I take your call. I have to put everybody else on hold, Doc. I don't want to do that. Can you understand that? Oh, I understand it. I just uh, figured that I stepped on something the dog left well, in the wall. God almighty. I just went on to something else. Doc, we've been talking about it for two weeks. This change happened about two weeks ago. I had to restructure the way that I do everything with callers. Isn't that interesting? No, it's it, it, well. I guess you could call it that. I call it a few more things that that you know, but whatever. It's a it's a it's a real inconvenience. So that's why you got hung up on. And I was trying to explain it on the air and call you back on both profiles that I have listed for you, and you didn't answer either one of them. And then the electricity well, went off. Well, I got. I got hung up on about four times yesterday. Yes, I can't. Doc, do you understand? I've been talking about it for two weeks. When somebody calls in now, I have to hang up on you and re-initiate the call from my end to get you involved in the group. Otherwise, I'm taking everything else that we're talking about with everybody and putting them all on hold to go, hey, Doc. Hey. So yeah, what? What is so? What are then? You must have a very important question or comment to go through all this initiative to try and get in, right? Yes. Okay. Well, what might that be? Well, I have been listening to the uh, cast box and trying to catch a, a call that would address the situation, but I called back in. Uh, October and said I was going to go ahead and uh, put my uh, affidavit in, and I went ahead and put my affidavit in, and now I've been waiting for somebody to come across or I could listen to or uh, find out about that. How do you check to see if your uh, affidavit is in there if you didn't have a passport? Uh, it's real easy. It. It's very easy, Doc. Go to your search engine and put in F-O-I-A, how to, and how, go, go do, learn, it's pretty simple, how to do a FOIA request to the Secretary of State for your administrative file. Okay, would you say that one more time? Freedom of Information Act, F-O-I-A, FOIA. 
Okay. Okay. So and then what happened? That well, they send you they they send you what's in your administrative file, and you look and see if it's in there. Oh, oh, okay. Well, now I know. All right. Well, now what do you want me to do now? I don't want you to do anything. What do you want to do? Well, I was going to see if you wanted to get on with the program and let me just kind of sit back here and listen. Yeah. Well, okay, that'll be fine. I guess. Uh, I, 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 yeah, that'll be fine, Doc. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll well, set aside, dear. Okay. We'll go learn how to do a FOIA. Okay. It's pretty simple. Judicial Watch. There's a pretty Larry Clayman and uh, uh, Fitton, Tom Fitton, and those guys out there that are wreaking so much havoc, uh, having Hillary Clinton testify and her, her uh, Cheryl Mills and all that. The judge is forcing them to testify on the email shit. You, you read about some of that? Doc? Well, I, I had it on mute. Uh, I was trying to check out here so I wouldn't be bothering you, but uh, uh, no, I have not read about well, it. Well, you don't keep up. Well, anyway, that's been in the news quite a bit lately. You know who Judicial Watch is, right? Yeah. Larry Clayman, attorney down there in Texas. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tom uh, Fitton, the guy I that have. has videos and all that stuff. You know what they use for all of their work, don't you? No. FOIA. 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 Everything oh. they're accomplishing oh. has been done with freedom of information requests. Okay, well, I'll give that a try then, and I'll just kind of sit us. And for any of you that might have that uh, that worry, if you wanted to, to uh, submit your affidavit, let's see here. I don't want to find out what's going on here. Uh, if you want to add people, okay, now let's see what do I got here. Resume call. I think everybody has dropped off of that call. I'm still trying to get, and now, and now my computer, what the, boy, I'll tell you what. Okay, I guess I'm back. Shane, are you there? You're gone too. Okay, I'm going to hang up on everybody here. Yikes. Doc's situation was is uh, uh, it goes back to somebody went just went yes that was shane we all these sound effects you feel like i guess we are living in star wars stuff i haven't got my arms around this all at one time it's been a bite by bite process over many years putting this together that together oh yeah that must be why that bam oh then this has to work like this whoom that kind of stick your toe one a little forward and you know see if it triggers a landmine and you know take a step if it doesn't that kind of a approach and one day it hit me that even though my entire association with this project had been with passport application because that's how I stumbled into the, what I feel is the key. Um, that you shouldn't have to be, pay money and get a passport to be able to do the process because in the feudal era, you could volunteer out at any time. And so all you got to do is volunteer out in the proper manner. We go over that quite a bit. I know if you're hearing these words, you're got some kind of familiarity with it 
you're just basically telling them what you're not. No, I'm not one of these people you're presuming me to be. I do not have that lineage that that particular act of Congress and however the ratification went for the states to get it into the new constitution they hijacked at the time. That was for another class of people, and I'm not one of those. So please, it's like, please correct your, uh, adjust your records accordingly, you know, that kind of a statement. Uh, let's see here. The song was referred to in 71, so almost 50 years. Wow, Ben, yikes, almost 50 years. Well, that's, I'll use that segue here in a few minutes. Remember it. It was 50 years ago today. So you can file this affidavit just like you could the feudal era because that's what the hell you're in. I mean, once you get the concept of what they've done, you can see it everywhere. And for whatever reasons that people can't, won't, don't, I, you know, I'm sorry for them. Because it's pretty plain when you know these guys at all, this enemy, how they do things. And they always do stuff exactly like you wouldn't expect them to be doing. And anybody uh, that, that hadn't even come to that basic principle right there uh, hadn't progressed too far. Because you got to know your enemy. Got to know who they are, how to do, how they do things, what uh, if you can ascertain their goals and their tendencies. And these tendencies from these people are just to do everything opposite that what it is and and opposite of what you would expect so with a with that given quote unquote given in mind and you start trying to understand this it's pretty simple when you get their background motives history etc fact, it's your favorite form of government um I'll get, uh, maybe we'll get off on that here in a second. Because there was no show yesterday. I got a ton of stuff to talk about. So back to this affidavit filing, you can do it. You could go to the Lord of the Manor and volunteer out at any time. As And I asked John, I've told, I've said this before, uh, as I was coming to understand this and get my arms around it a number of years ago, John was still alive. He was out of prison at that point. I could pick up the phone and get him occasionally. And um, I was conversing with him and asked uh, ask him, is, uh, in the feudal era, if you were going to volunteer out, what were the requirements? And he said, well, there was only one, and that was uh, if there was any consideration given. Again, this was a contract. It was a, a vocal contract. It was what they call in the law a parole contract. A parole, PA, just like getting out of jail, a parole contract is one that's oral, verbal. Okay. And this, the, the oath of fealty was an oral contract. It, it, it had all the accoutrements of a contract. It, it, and if in that process there was a legal thing called consideration given, then you, to you to get into the agreement, then if you were getting out of it, you had to give back that consideration. Consideration 
lost legally would be things like the perfect example, I think, is earnest money when you put down a contract on a house. and But you don't give the earnest money to the person that owns a house unless they're for sale by owner. Uh, and, and you could probably do it then, but you, you usually have an agent and you give it to that agent and the agent has a special bank account called an escrow account and they deposit it over there. And hopefully if everything goes right, that earnest money, as they call it, because you wanted to show your earnest, not your uncle, you're dragging out from the closet, but your earnest and sincerity and wanting to follow through on the contract. So in the feudal era, if you were getting out, that was the only requirement if a consideration had been given at the inception of the contract. And I would imagine, um, hmm, now here's an interesting question. I never thought about it before. If you were a product of, of two people in voluntary servitude and you were born into the condition and you wanted to volunteer out as the second generation serf, but it was your parents that had been given the consideration, would you be required to put up the consideration that was given to them that got you into the contract initially? That's an interesting thought. Uh, too bad John's not around to ping that one off of him regardless they don't seem to have any kind of problem with accepting those affidavits and they to my knowledge have not required one little old itty bit of consideration <laughs> to be returned since the whole damn thing is fraud okay <laughs> and what that affidavit does is it exposes it because they've got to rebut it and sign another one under penalty of perjury stating facts to overcome your stated facts and not only can't they do it they won't do it and they're scared as hell of this information getting out there in any kind of real big public forum i promise you they are and so we bide our time at some point the opportunity will come and excalibur will strike but doc's question was about this affidavit here how could he go back and check since he didn't get, if you apply, and the reason that I suggest people use a, apply for a passport are numerous, okay? One of them is because it's identification that everybody recognizes, even above driver's licenses, A. B, it is tied, if you filed an affidavit with your application, it's tied to that document because it's issued off that document, Okay. How do I know that? Because of a couple of people that were so antsy to get one of these, to get this done, that they went and filed when they had an existing passport that was already and still active. And the way the State Department handles that is they ask you to say, even if one has been temp, even if one has expired, they ask you to send it back if it's recent. Sometimes you, you add it 10, 15 years ago and you've lost it or whatever, but they've asked people to send back either active or recent passports. That's so they can stamp them three, with a little three-hole punch. They stamp them. And uh, uh, so that means that one ain't being used by anybody. So anyway, they send it back to you, though, because it's your property. You paid for it. 
But if you've already got one that's that's open and active, they'll ask you to send that one back, and then they immediately send that back to you. Just as soon as they get it, boom, boom, but they turn it around real quick. The new one that's tied to the affidavit you've submitted that triggered you sending back the original one that represents your older status, your slave status, your birthright citizenship status. That one gets sent back quick. The other one takes, it depends if they're not real swamped, maybe a couple of weeks, 10 days, two weeks. If you expedite, it may be quicker than that. Regardless, they're sent back separately. Boom, boom. The, the, the new one is linked to the document that you submitted. So uh, that is certainly one reason. The other thing is it's a confirmation that they received it and didn't have a problem with it. We, we've seen some problems develop because of situations in the last seven years. I, it was this past January, not this one, this one we just went through, but 17 when these new regulations went into effect uh, that IRS had passed. Congress had passed against people in because there was so uh, there's a flood of people leaving the country. But that was just starting when I left. The numbers were just spiking on people that were expatriating, and the r- number one reason was taxes. And in just a couple of years, as some of you that pay attention to these things remember, in just a couple of years, that skyrocketed. I mean, just skyrocketed. And and they've, they've raised the rates. You used to could do it in at most a couple of weeks now it takes months and costs thousands of dollars just to expatriate they don't tell you about repatriating well they tell you but they don't really tell you very well regardless if you don't want to file that passport application don't see the relevance of that can't afford it there's people out there that can't afford it I can certainly understand. I was in that boat for a long time myself. You know, every costs about $130 or something, and $130 to a lot of people is can be a whole lot of money when you're buying necessities with it. And you're not planning on doing any traveling abroad well, regardless, that's a good document to have. It verifies your statements in that affidavit. It verifies your position. And, um, well, it's very interesting. I, When I was having these problems two weeks ago, man, I had a whole bunch of stuff to talk about here today. 50 years ago today, don't forget that. When I was having all these problems a couple of weeks ago with Skype as we got forced, boy, Microsoft, again, very assertive lately, uh, as Microsoft forced these updates on everybody all over the world, it wasn't just me. It wasn't just little old Raj. They didn't single me out. No, nope. I was in a broad net of people who, for whatever reason, were refusing to change the old software. And... This right here, this inability to do this, what we used to do is one of the reasons I had drugged my feet till the till I was forced to. Because you see the kind of 
confusion I got to go through now, you know. Um, when all that was happening initially, one of the good listeners out there, Mike, I believe was his name, contacted, called on the air and said, I'm a software guy, you know, and I'm a tech guy and I can help you and get a hold of me. And we traded information and, uh, so he and I got to talk a little bit there that evening about this. And uh, he was telling me his background that he had had a number of security clearances or, at, let's see, had worked for a number of agencies in IT stuff. I'm not sure what security levels he had to go through to do that work, but he had made friends and met people with security clearances, put it that way. And so evidently he had filed some sort of paperwork. I don't know if it was our approach or not, but he had filed some sort of paperwork. And one of his connections, he asked to look behind the curtain at what his, uh, uh, his database had set on him. And they said he had basically diplomatic access, which would make sense because that correlates to the old state citizen. You basically had diplomatic access, and uh, they didn't have any of these man-made laws and agencies attaching to you. And that the condition, there was evidently a listing, and, and the listing of whatever position he had that they had assigned him was less than less than a courier. I'm not sure what perspective to take that in, but those are the things that uh, he told me that he had been told. So it's clearly 100% hearsay evidence. But comes from a good listener, people I expect, uh, you know, are grounded, and uh, it would make sense what he told me, knowing what this does and the trap we're in and all that stuff to the degree personally that I do. Um, so while we're talking about law here, a couple of things I wanted to spend some time on, on Martin Luther King because it was 50 years ago yesterday that he got assassinated. I didn't really realize it was the 50th anniversary um, until a little later in the day, and I got to... Uh, watch this morning i'm kind of glad i did i watched part of it last night uh a, an article over on zero hedge but embedded in the article was a new what do you call them documentary of uh, uh, analysis uh, video on martin luther king and the real story of what happened by james corbett somebody whose work i not only enjoy but admire a guy, the Canadian that lives uh, over there, married to a Japanese gal, and lives lives over on the western slope of Japan, somewhere over there. And uh, that is well worth watching. You can go to his his website is CorbettReport.com. Um, it's C O R B E T T Corbett Report. Dot com and I'm sure that one's featured prominently because I don't think it was an older one. I think it was a newer one that he did specifically 
for this uh, commemorative occasion uh, of the 50th anniversary of the basically the FBI murdering this guy. I mean, they've uh, uh, he goes into a great deal of background. It's about 50. I remember 51 minutes long or something. Um, as all of James Corbett's stuff is extremely well done. Uh, brings out things that I didn't know about this. Uh, interviews the attorney that helped James Earl Ray and that represented the King family and the guy that was behind putting on this mock trial that they had back in 1999 when a, uh, uh, with new facts and uh, presented where the jury, uh, it was a, f a fairly, uh, you know, just like a regular court deal, everything presented probably a little bit more by the book than a regular court. But when all that evidence was in, they uh, convicted a a guy that was a Memphis business owner uh, that, pe that colluded with people in the Memphis Police Department along with the state of Tennessee and the federal government, namely the FBI, and they just flat set him up and assassinated King. And we all knew that's no big secret, but it, more of the facts and the things on the boots on the ground information, if you will, are becoming public on that. And uh, interesting. Well, they obviously they didn't like dr king too much it was all right as long as he stayed over in the civil rights arena i mean to some extent it was all right and it was tolerated but he was having a dramatic effect on the black community at the time and then he got very very overwhelmed with vietnam and the atrocities happening over there one of the people interviewed in this james corbett report film video why did i pull that out of there i thought i pulled it out as its own video but i just yes i it, it's on the corbettreport.com but one of the guys was a writer who they interviewed, who was a writer, um, I, I, probably liberal at the time especially, who went over to Vietnam and took a whole bunch of pictures and, and wrote a lot about it, but didn't put all of that out. He put out a couple of stories with some evidently pretty horrific pictures, and it was published in a magazine I don't remember, Reveille, something like that. Um, it was published in a magazine that Dr. King just happened to subscribe to. And the guy told the story on the air that he was, uh, uh, he, he was on his way to a vacation. He stopped by, pick up mail in Atlanta, and went off on vacation, and that magazine was part of the mail. And he got exposed to those pictures and he, uh, of children in Vietnam w that were victims of atrocities and what we were doing over there. And that got his attention to the point where down the road he 
contacted this guy and they became friends. And at one point he was telling the story that it's from some sort of a meeting in D.C. or somewhere in the Northeast, and then they were going up to Harvard to do something with something Vietnam-oriented. And he spent the time with him on that trip, and he got to show him all, this is show him, Dr. King, uh, all of the pictures of the children that he had in his portfolio. He'd only put one or two or three uh, in the article or just a few. But he had a whole collection, and he showed him the whole collection, and he said that uh, uh, Dr. King openly wept, broke down and wept. And it was at that Harvard event where he really came to the forefront, and what he was doing was marrying the power of the civil rights situation that he'd worked up over the years and marrying it with this really strong anti-war undercurrent and the hell bent for leather to destroy that part of the world for whatever the hell reason they did it. I don't know that that's even clear even today. But that when he turned and went on to the anti-war thing is really, it was a year later, he made a, a very famous speech in New York, and it was a year later to the day that he was assassinated. Uh, some speech in a real uh, big uh, ecumenical setting in a church up there in New York. I don't remember which one. Anyway, the whole information, that interview, a lot of other background information on the local people, the guy that uh, there at the end, the guy that was finally uh, uh, convicted in that mock trial. Uh, who was a Memphis businessman of kind of facilitating the whole thing, had a little business like very close to the Lorraine Hotel, etc. Uh, it's very interesting, and it just goes to show you how absolutely, totally corrupt the FBI is and how badly that they need to be uh, you know, it's not even brought under heel. They they need to be just done away with. Here is uh, um, here is an article over on Zero Hedge, and it talks about shocking admissions by an FBI veteran shows why the FBI shouldn't even exist. And it goes into some background here on. I think this is this was where the uh, yeah this is the Corbett report video story right here, and this was buried this Corbett report video which is excellent, fifty one minutes, truth at last the assassination of Martin Luther King, is the title of it. But a little bit later down here in the article, this is pretty shocking right here to me because I didn't see this clip. I'll read from the article here and then read the quote of the guy, which is not only Bolden here in Zero Hedge, it's all underlined. We received yet another reminder of the FBI's truth face the other day in an interview with the former 
Deputy Assistant Director Terry Turchi. He was the former direct Deputy Assistant Director Terry Turchi on Fox's Tucker Carlson tonight. Not a small venue. In a passing tangent largely unrelated to the rest of the interview, Turchi made the following shocking statement in relation to the ongoing Russiagate saga, quoting Mr. Terry Turchi, formerly Deputy Assistant Director, FBI. And I think we can expect more of this because, quite honestly, the electorate in some places is putting more and more progressives and self-described socialists in positions. And ironically, years ago, when I first got into the FBI, one of the missions of the FBI in its counterintelligence efforts was to try and keep these people out of government. Why? Because we would end up with a massive dysfunction and a massive disinformation and massive misinformation. And it seems to me that's where we're at today. Can somebody call in and tell me if you're hearing that banging? They got it's not construction, it's pre construction stuff. And it's right underneath me, and this is a concrete building, and that sound goes right through concrete like crap through a goose. Anyway, that's a former I tell you what else, electricity going off construction in your ear i don't i don't know if you guys hear that or not i sure hope you don't have to put up with it he's having to go in and bang out old receptacles where electric boxes is too bad chris couldn't call where electric boxes have been installed in this concrete building and put new electric boxes and newer something in there and that's what's going on right now here's somebody letting me know Stephanie, we hear it, but it's not a problem. Well, I, I wish I could say the same, Stephen, because <laughs> it damn sure is a problem for me. <laughs> he ceased now. These aren't big jobs. It's woke me up this morning. Bam, bam, bam. I'm going, what the hell? Where's that guy? Bam, bam, bam. It just kept on going, what in the heck is my landlord doing out there doing this? And he'd been long since gone to the gym and as these workers in here, because I'm moving and there's going to be some changes. So this is a precursor to all of that. Anyway, back to the uh, just kind of an eye-opening. I would encourage all of you, really, and I'll try and go back and get the URL and I can get a cast box show up today and get through a show actually today i'll put that there in the show links that is that's well worth spending an hour of your time watching 
Um, and I think that, uh, boy, when he got off, when King got off on the war, that's when they really came after him. They didn't like him a whole lot. He was totally infiltrated up to that point. And some of the people that were finding out uh, uh, that were infiltrators are startling even the uh, the black community that's been involved in SPLC and stuff for, uh, uh, no, not SPLC, but uh, the, um, uh, uh, the whole Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement and a lot of those people, Andrew Young and whatnot, living in Atlanta there. Those were pretty common names because all those people went on, and uh, many of them, not all of them, many of them went on to have political uh, careers. Uh, John Lewis, is it John Lewis, the congressman from Georgia? Um, who's I was never that impressed with myself personally. I, I, I didn't know him, but I did see him at different rallies and stuff and different things, especially around NAFTA time. Cause they were all against NAFTA and we were all against NAFTA too. And they had some demonstrations there in Atlanta down around the Capitol and whatnot. And he spoke at a couple of them and I didn't realize he, sw- he speaks like he's got marbles in his mouth a little bit. He's kind of garbled, but I didn't realize that he was uh, in some shuffles and was actually uh, incurred brain damage in some of those things that happened back in that day. Anyway, he was there. Andrew Young was there, all that crowd. So, uh, and of course the King center was there. I was thinking yesterday and I was thinking about something I thought about in a long time in my days in the record business there in Atlanta. And, um, uh, of course we had, had, uh, uh, pretty from time to time, some pretty big black acts on the roster and, uh, more particularly than that, some jazz acts. Cause I would really work the jazz artists. I, the heavy R and B stuff. I pretty well, we had a department of black guys that handled the R and B, they call it rhythm and blues stuff. And I let them call on those radio stations, the black stations, etc. Sometimes I called on them, but not often, but occasionally I would get the uh, artist overflow and especially in the jazz area and when i was with mercury we had a i didn't know who he was at the time had a a pretty famous guy named jimmy smith who was a organist jazz organist and i had him there in atlanta for a couple of days and i had to do the things i had to do take him by radio stations kind of babysit part of my job in those days was to babysit these artists take them out to meals and whatnot when they were in your territory let them know the label loved them boy sorry about that i wish that guy get that one finished jesus um so jimmy smith and his entourage were in town playing a good concert good musician good guy let me clear my throat on top of everything else Well, I guess at least if it's muted out, you can't hear the hammering sounds. Regardless, Jimmy Smith was there in Atlanta. I had the assignment, and I, I don't remember everything we did, but I do remember one thing specifically. Only time I ever was at this place, there was a restaurant down in the black part of Atlanta close to the King Center area. I, I never went to the King Center area over there, but I, I know it was in that part of town, and I know this restaurant was close. 
and it was the restaurant that uh it, obviously everybody in the black community used to go to on sundays and frequent uh, especially because of their absolutely infamous fried chicken and nothing would do jimmy smith but we had to go eat at that restaurant it had quite a bit of notoriety even back then and that was as as ben reminded me that was 50 years ago um and the name of the restaurant it was you know when i was thinking about this yesterday a little bit and i could not think of the name of the restaurant and here today when i think about it my the subconscious bam just gave it to me the name of the restaurant was pascal's P-A-S-C-A-L-S, very famous in the black community there on the south part of Atlanta, uh, for especially for their fried chicken, which, if my memory serves me right, I was a much younger man, but and my mama, uh-oh, my mama makes pretty darn good fried chicken. Let's see what we got going on. I'm getting a computer now. Okay, hold on. Boy, I'll tell you, if it ain't one thing, it is 10. Let's see if this corrects our problem here. Please correct the problem. Don't make me just count on another day today. Please. Please. There we get connected again. Okay. Jeez, I'm waiting. You guys don't pay me enough. Anyway, I was talking about Pascal's, this experience, trying to keep it all straight, my memory, everything going with this banging, incessant banging going on in my head and ear. I'm sorry if it's in yours. It's just part of the CRAP I've had to go through over the last couple of weeks here. Software, construction, electricity interruption, now construction in your ear. Oh, well, this too shall pass. And it's going to pass pretty quick because I'm going to be moved in two weeks. And I won't have to deal with any of this. Well, the banging has stopped. So back to what I've been trying to cover the whole show without interruptions, almost impossible with some of this backup stuff that's been on my mind and that association being in Atlanta for so many years and uh, uh, that particular incident of working with those fellows and uh, uh, going through that experience and that particular very famous restaurant because that's where dr king and them ate every sunday after church and uh so just one of those things let's talk a little bit about law here something came up the other day can i find it yes i can uh when brent was on the other day come came to my mind we were talking about the babylonian merchant code and stuff as we're apt to do around here because it's the basis of all this slavery that we're being forced into so we were talking about that and 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 i asked him and it just came to my mind i had heard it actually in an interview uh with this guy i'd mentioned it the other day uh, chuck our good listener in oklahoma actually got a hold of me uh and heard the replay and said do you still have that video on that guy making that 24 karat jewelry company and it was in that interview that it was referenced and he referenced some of this and that's why it was in my memory and it just sprang out there when brent was with us as things are 
so apt to do on those Friday programs. So uh, I came out and I said, well, what about the, we're in the Babylonian code and the Sumerian tablets and all this stuff that we know is the origins of a lot of what we're dealing with. Where was the code of Hammurabi in that? And what exactly was it? And so uh, we briefly touched on it, and Brent accurately said it was Hammurabi followed Nimrod. And so after the show, I went and uh, dug up this page here. And I thought it was really interesting and enough interesting enough to spend a little few minutes on. And then let's see where the old code of Hammurabi, which has a, a place in our even in the at least in the history of some of our courts. The U, the US Supreme Court building features Hammurabi on the marble carvings of history history historic lawgivers that lines up on the south wall of the courtroom. So Hammurabi's even references, well, as, of course, the Ten Commandments are carved into the Supreme Court, too, may start to be having a little bit of an effect. Actually, we got a favorable Supreme Court ruling today. I'll try and cover it. I had it on the list of things to talk about here, about an hour into the program. So reading here just a little bit to give us some background, the Code of Hammurabi was one of the earliest and the most complete written legal codes. It was proclaimed by the Babylonian king Hammurabi, who reigned from 1792 to 1750 B.C. Pretty long reign. 58 years, 1752 to 1750 B.C. Hammurabi expanded the city-state of Babylon along the Euphrates River to unite all of southern Mesopotamia. The Hammurabi Code of Laws, a collection of 282 rules, so the Hammurabi Code, Code of Hammurabi, is 282 rules established standards for commercial interactions and set fines and punishments to meet the requirement of justice. Hammurabi's Code was carved. This is pretty interesting here. Hammurabi's Code was carved onto a massive finger-shaped black stone stele, S-T-E-L-E, a pillar, that was looted by invaders and finally rediscovered in 1901. Let's see if I can read a little bit, because this is really pretty interesting. So they wrote it on this stele, which says like a black finger or a pillar. And uh, it goes into uh, some of the history here in what happened when he got 
Now let's see who's checking in here. Uh, what happened when he got, uh, well, now I've lost all. Jeez almighty. What happened when he got overthrown and the people that were adjacent to him there that came in and overthrew that dynasty regime? Anyway, they lost. They lost the battle, and you know what happens when you lose the battle. They kick your butt and they take your stuff. What? is the code of Hammurabi. The black stone steely containing the code of Hammurabi was carved from a single four-ton slab of diorite, D-I-O-R-I-T-E, a durable but incredibly difficult stone for carving. At the top is a two-and-a-half-foot relief carving of a standing Hammurabi receiving the law symbolized by a measuring rod and a tape from the seated Shamish the Babylonian god of justice so S-H-A-M-A-S-H Shamish was the Babylonian god of justice the rest of the seven foot five inch monument, seven foot five inch, is covered with columns of chiseled cuneiform script. The text compiled at the end of Hammurabi's reign is less a proclamation of principles than a collection of legal precedents set between prose celebrating Hammurabi's just and pious rule. Hammurabi's code provides some of the earliest examples of the doctrine of Lex Talonis, T-A-L-I-O-N-I-S, Talionis, Talonis, Talionis, Lex Talionis, I guess is how you'd say it, or the law of retribution, sometimes better known as an eye for an eye. The 282 edicts were all written in the form, in if-then form, if-then the 282 edicts or rules are all written in if-then, if-then form. For example, if a man steals an ox, then he must pay back 30 times its value. The edicts range from family law to professing contracts and administrative law often outlining different standards of justice for the three classes of Babylonian society the property class so here's the three classes it's getting a little windy here in Ecuador 
the three classes that these laws were set off for, the propertied class, the freedmen, and the slaves. In 1901, let me close this window just a snitch. Boy, I'll tell you, it's challenging. Doing this radio program is challenging here as of late. We got all kinds of different obstacles that we got to get across here to have these shows on every day. Tremendous distraction for me. Uh, one of the reasons is that I try and focus so absolute 100% total laser beam focus on these programs when I'm doing them so as to try and give you the benefit of, of, of you taking the time out of your day to listen to these whenever it may be, live or later on CastBox. So those kind of obstacles yesterday, the electricity, today the banging, last week the construction where it was shaking the house. I mean, our, our house here, the whole, and, and, and my landlord who lives uh, a floor above me said, man, you should have been up on the third floor. It was shaking it more. It was more like earthquakes all day long, <laughs> that kind of thing. So it's been a little trying lately. Thanks for bearing with us. Jeez almighty. Hopefully he'll be finished with this one pretty quick. In 1901... 117 years ago, Jacques de Morgan, Jacques de Morgan, he was a French mining engineer, Jacques was, he led an archaeological expedition to Persia to excavate the Elamite capital, Elamite, E-L-A-M-I-T-E, Elamite capital of Susa which was more than 250 miles from the center of Hammurabi's kingdom. There they uncovered the stele of Hammurabis, this black finger thing with this the cuneiform uh, so meticulously carved into the very difficult-to-carve stone. Hold on. Okay. There they uncovered the stele of Hammurabi. It was broken into three pieces, and that had been brought to Susa as spoils of war, likely by the Elamite king Staruth Nakunate in the mid 12th century BC. The stele was packed up and shipped to the Louvre in Paris and within a year had been translated and wildly, widely publicized as the earliest example of a written legal code, the Code of Hammurabi, one that predated both but bore a striking parallel to the laws outlined in the Hebrew Old Testament. Let me read that again because I stumbled over it with all this distraction. One, it had been taken to the lube. It was widely publicized. It was translated as the earliest example of a written legal code. One that predated but bore a striking parallel to 
the laws outlined in the Hebrew Old Testament. Here's where that little statement came from. The U.S. Supreme Court building features Hammurabi on a marble carving of historic lawgivers that lines up the south wall of the courtroom. Although other subsequently discovered written Mesopotamian laws, including the Sumerian Lupre Istatar and the Ur Namu, predate Hammurabi's by hundreds of years. Hammurabi's reputation remains as a pioneering lawgiver who worked in the words of of his monument, quoting, these are Hammurabi's words here, to prevent the strong from oppressing the weak and to see that justice is done to widows and orphans. Hammurabi's statement on the uh, stele. Interesting. So I wanted to get that in. I was kind of interesting because it came up, and I think that's a, a quite useful information to know uh, a little bit about this Hammurabi code. It's one of the things that I have maintained for many years about the Babylonian merchant code. It's not bad. It's that the people that use it can use it for bad purposes. It's the it's the, so it's intricate and complex that the people that have used it for thousands of years, i.e., the law merchant, the law of the merchants, it's the law that's been used since Babylon by the merchant class, and they know all the wiles and the woolies and the twists and the turns and the potential pitfalls and these little contracts that they can get you into and how to utilize them, how to manipulate them, and haven't they? done a wonderful job code of Hammurabi so that goes right into protecting widows and orphans that I I don't think Hammurabi said anything about transgenders did he I don't think I, I did that article we just read didn't say anything about it and I would have to think that maybe the transgender problem wasn't quite as big a deal as it is today with the things we're having to put up with and the things like this D.C. restaurant right here, which was fined $7,000. This D.C. restaurant here was fined $7,000 for questioning this male that thinks he's a female in a bar for trying to go in the women's restaurant. He was, he, he, she, he, she, he, she was stopped trying to go into the bathroom by somebody that was worked in the bar and said that they, that they can't allow people of the opposite sex to go into that other sex bathroom. And they asked him for ID. And this guy who happened to be a publicist or something in some transgender organization went ballistic, took it to the DC council. They came back and said, well, because you didn't have that policy stated publicly, we're going to fine you 7,000. 
stuff like that, I don't think is protecting widows and orphans or the oppressors of the property class to the underlings. This is promoting an agenda here. These people that identify with the opposite sex and then make such a big deal out of it. You know, when it was first being proffered out there, oh, you can't discriminate. You can't discriminate against these people. And now they come in and they turn that. They get their nose, little camel's nose under the tent. And they take that discrimination approach and they just absolutely reverse it on everything. And this is just another example of the snake eating its tail. $7,000 for questioning, asking somebody for an ID who obviously is a man masquerading as a woman to go into a restroom and then everything that has come sense um now then the other good news here today along this same transgender as repulsive as it is to talk about it the same trans transgender line the aforementioned supreme court today upheld trump's transgender trans i can't even say it transgender military ban. So what happened was uh, some of the cases Trump went in, tried to to put a halt to Obama's totally open transgender military to the standpoint of you could go into the military evidently and request all the medical stuff to go through the operation to become transgender what kind of demented i mean these people are sick you know it's just like brent says if you don't have the sense to look between your legs and see what sex you are something's wrong this is what was important to me to take away that now you see their battle, their their battle against uh, all this Supreme Court stuff. They're about to have another one too. Uh, somebody, some publication actually reported uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died. Now, evidently, she hadn't. They had to apologize, but she's pretty close to it. She's still voting here. She's still working. Remember, from home on important matters like transgenders in the military. Don't forget, Miss Ginsburg used to be the attorney for the NAMBLA, the Man-Boy Love Association, and this whole LGBT community. The justices on this issue about transgenders in the military voted five to four. Five to four to put on hold lower court decisions that had blocked the administration's planned ban from taking effect. And here are the dissenters. I'm sure you'll be shocked. The first one is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Stephen Breyer, another one of these undercovers, he was put on there by the Bushes, I believe. 
Sonia Sotomayor, this whatever she is, and Elena Kagan, another Jewess, and I would have to say uh, whatever she is. So there you go from Hammurabi and a law for uh, widows and orphans and the unjust, just against the unjust. Maybe we're turning a corner on some of this stuff. It looks like we'll get, uh, uh, just like that story mentioned, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's not too long for this world. And uh, maybe we're going to get us another one. I can just about tell you uh, with some authority that Trump's going to probably pick somebody very conservative and they can kick and scream all they want, but they got the majority in the Senate now. And they won't have any problem getting that judge confirmed. And hopefully they won't go through all this CRAP that we had to go through in the Kavanaugh hearings. So I really kind of covered the things that I was going to cover today. I didn't mean to scare you guys off um, with uh, the confusion that we had there on Skype. I don't know what happened to Chris. He was on and then he's gone. But it gets a little tough when uh, uh, when you're carrying the old water bucket here all by yourself. Um, so if any of you guys got a call in with a question or whatever that, I'd certainly be more than happy to entertain that call. Let me see if I can get this thing. Um, you can call in by uh, going to 404 on your phone if you just want to call in. There's a Corbett report right there. If you wanted to go uh, call in and you had a question or whatever, I don't know. I have to uh, assume most of the time we don't have new people on here. Most of the time it's our pretty hardcore little group of truth seekers and uh, people that want to genuinely make a change if it's only in your life, which is the only real place you can make a change, you noticed. So you, you can't change what's going on up there in D.C. You can't change all of these situations. You can learn about them. You can try and take away some lessons from them. But the only thing that you can really change is you. Now, what we've come to understand is you can, you can affect some pretty serious change with just you these days, with the tools, the information, and the understanding that we've got. You can literally free yourself from this system. You can get your sanity back. I think that we probably are positioned pretty well that uh, as this biggest financial transfer of wealth in the history of the world progresses because it's already underway, I believe that we'll be in a very secure and extremely beneficial position with a lot of flexibility and that right there being the key 
you got to have options and you got to have some flexibility and i believe that that's kind of baked into the cake here with the things that we cover so if you also want to uh, call in you can do it you could probably do it easier this way actually is if you got skype on your phone If, and, mo and most people do, Skype's a pretty widely used app. If you've got Skype on your phone or your computer, you can type in PPN space, no hyphen, no dot, no comma, no semicolon, no colon, no nothing, just an old, dead, boring space. PPN space hotline. And Skype will do its little search thing. I think it probably still does that. It does its little search thing through its little database. And, oh, here's PPN Hotline. This is their profile over here. And you usually have send me a handshake. It'll say something. But but I'll, I'll see that and okay it. And then you can call right in on Skype on that good digital feed like Chuck. Chuck does. Chuck uses that is the one person that uh, uh, that I suggested it to that has taken that to heart. And um, because his phone was over-modulating so bad. And so Chuck uses it when he calls in. I thought he'd probably be listening today. Um, you can call in that way, too, on Skype, PPN, Space Hotline. Now, if... Uh, and evidently, most of you guys know about this now, but let's go over it again. Sometimes you can't promote this stuff enough. If you do have an occasion and one of these shows moves you or you missed it and you can't stand not knowing what we talked about that day, you can go over to CastBox, C-A-S-T, Cast, Casting a Rod and Reel, Casting a CastNet, cast box b-o-x just like it sounds castbox.fm and uh, when i get finished with these programs here right right before lunchtime usually it's right past lunchtime with this time change situation but be that as it may w w the first opportunity that i have i go back in and throw those things uploaded over on castbox give you a little short show description when you go over and you search on either radio ranch or ppn either one of those two things and our little categories come up over there there's been some sort of a heck i don't know how it all happens with this anyway there's two categories for the radio ranch one of them's only got two shows in it and the other one's got the last number of shows we've been putting on there since january i mean since december oh i'll try and get them over in that other column today something they something happened and it got me confused and i ended up starting another category and uh so i don't know how to merge them now or anything else one of these technical snafus that have been so much in control of my life lately. And I sure don't like it. 
I can get through some of that stuff. I've been messing with these computers for many years, but still just sitting down and doing it and trying to read that stuff with my eyes kind of messed up as they are. And and then all the little step by step and you spend hours doing all that stuff for some little technical snafu you shouldn't even have to be dealing with in the first darn place. Okay, let's see here. So we got about 12.23, and nobody wants to call in with a question or a comment. I guess we're going to have Paul on tomorrow. Uh, hadn't too, had too much discourse with him in the last few days, but um, we'll see if we can get Paul on. and Maybe he's bringing something to the table interesting to talk about. It's always just wonderful to talk to Paul and his accent and his where he comes from and some of the firm convictions that he's reached at this stage of his life. Oh, boy, 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 boy. So the remainder of the show, I'm not sure what to talk about. No, none of you want to call in, want to spurn me on to anything off in some direction or answer a question. Um, this was pretty interesting. And I don't know who, where I got it. Somebody sent it to me, I think, in my email. I'm not supposed to get... She's calling here. Well, Bob? Hey, Bob, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Hey, I can't get through. I've been trying to call, and I suspect others are. Well, why in the heck... I'm on, and I'm sitting here looking at this thing. Well, all right, I'll tell you what. Let me see if I can call you. Are you uh, all right? I'm, I'll try and connect you through here. Hold on a second. Yeah, call, call the other phone. That's what I'm trying to call you on. I finally called yourself. Well, I don't know why. what in the heck's going on with these crazy people. I'm calling you right now, so. Okay. Yep, ringing. Let's see if Bob picks up. Bob. Hey, Roger. There you are. <laughs> well, now, uh, but you were calling the 404 number and it wouldn't connect? Correct. I called it about three times, and I'm assuming others were doing the same. I finally called you offline, as you know, to try to alert you. Something's going on here. I don't know what happened, but, yeah, it wasn't. Well, you know, it wasn't here. Well, see, see, like Doc, when Doc called in, he's going, well, I got hung up on four times while I'm sitting here going, I can't, I can't take your call. You know, I can, but I put everybody else on hold. I guess that's probably what I should have done. But it may have messed something up because Shane, the same thing happened with Shane right before that. So I don't know if it screwed up Skype internally or whatever, but uh, I wonder if we shouldn't hang up and try and call back let's go ahead and get whatever was on your mind out of the way i appreciate you calling in bailing me out a little bit here well you were wanting something to talk about and i had noticed this a couple of days ago maybe yesterday let me get over to it on zero heads that <laughs> there was an article that just kind of tickled my uh, my fancy because it basically puts in uh I don't know if it was Batista or what, but anyway, 
the headline was, and the most politically biased profession is, yeah. drumroll please. Yep, I watched you that. Read it, I'm I read it. I read it yeah. for sure, and the, and it was pretty predictable, honestly. But why don't you tell a little, the audience a little bit about it for those that didn't? Well, I think I've actually talked with. I mean, I think I mentioned this on a show with Brent. You know, he talks about the land compared to the city. You know, law of the land, law of the city. And when I was in college, I don't remember the particulars as far as whether it was. I think I chose the topic. I don't think it was prescribed. But in my philosophy class, the professor, who, uh, oddly enough, given what I'm going to talk about, <laughs> was a Christian and a fairly uh, even-headed fellow. Um, anyway, he assigned us something, and whether he assigned this or I picked this subject, what I what I proposed in my in my paper was that the farther a civilization, a people, a nation gets away from the soil or the land or working with their hands, understanding that you don't have control of everything and it's not just because you like the idea that makes it a good idea. It's got to be practicable, practical, applicable, you know, all these things. And this Ocasio-Cortez you know, it doesn't matter whether it applies or whether it's practical or whether it's even doable. It's a great idea because I like it. You know, I mean, and people are voting for that. Well, gee, what a fantasy. It hasn't worked in how many iterations? Socialism. But we're going to do it again because we like the idea. And so in my paper, I proposed that, and I'd love it if I could find it among my things, but I don't know that I saved it. I don't know that I thought it was that great a piece back in the day, but it basically said what this shows with statistics. The people who get away from the land are divorced from the rigor that it takes to extract the living, you know, at its core. Yeah, they can write a check or pass their card or pass their phone by, and they get rewarded with food or service or a new car or car repairs, but they don't have to do anything. They're converting their their mental capacity, their work, their work, you know, stroking a keyboard or or you know whatever. And I'm not saying those professions, those vocations, those venues don't have some merit. But they're away from the land, and the further you get away from the land, the more divorced you get from the day-to-day, doing the doing, sawing the wood, laying the tile, how many ways do I have to say it, rowing the boat, you just do it because, well, it's a good idea. You want it, and so that, by definition, makes it a fine notion, and you're not really engaged in the acquisition of basic goods. They're just rewarded to you when you pass your card or flip your phone or write a check. You know, you, you see my point, of course. And this, uh, this article just says what I was saying, well, goodness, 30, 30 plus 40 years ago in my paper in college, you know. And, and the thing that brought it about, are you still there, Roger? I'm still here, Bob, and I'm listening. Okay, I was okay. Tr- Make it, making sure. Making sure. Um, 
the thing that brought it home to me, I live, I, I grew up in western Kansas. I was attending a college there in western Kansas, which is by no means a bastion of liberal belief. And even the college, you know, by college standards, was fairly conservative. But still, just being there through the week and then traveling home and being at home on the farm from Friday afternoon through Monday morning, I'd get up early and make it to class. It was a 90-mile commute. It was like two worlds. Yeah, man. Two worlds. I mean, in my little world at home, you know, calves were born and hay was fed and harvest was made and crops were realized and planning was for the next year. And in school, it was kind of like, man, where do we get the next keg? Right. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, I understand that's a little bit of a, a divergence. from, But no, I mean, you know, when I went to school, I'd stayed out of college for two years. I hadn't attended after high school. I, I simply, um, well, I was already engaged in, in, in working. I mean, I was actually working, you know, traveling with harvest and all. And so I sat out for two, four semesters and I finally went and dad said, you know, if you want to go, I think you should. And he paid tuition and I was good with that. And I was taking courses that I wanted. They didn't go to word anything in particular other than I wanted to take those courses. I wanted to expand my knowledge. And the gals that at that in that day and age, it was called pulling cards. You know, you'd go with this whole gaggle of old gals that had been there for decades, and they would try to guide you through what classes you wanted and get your cards pulled and make sure yeah, you enrolled everything. Sure. They didn't like it at all because what they, they kept telling me, well, these classes don't fit together. This, this doesn't go towards a major. And I said, I, I don't have a major. I'm here because I want to learn things. These are the classes I want. Well, we need to talk to your advisor. I said, fine, <laughs> call him because he already and he and I had already had this talk. You know, I'd been there. I'd been out in the real world for a couple of years. And if I want you know, I wasn't a green freshman and uh, just. You know, if you want to, that, that, that's what you want to do. I'm not necessarily recommending it, but I'm not going to say no. You, you're, you're here for your own reasons. Boy, that got them upset because they, their paradigm was we want to get the classes that will get the most graduates in the least semesters and make us look good so we can get more government money. Yeah. And I was, I was screwing up their deal. And I mean, you know, the whole college well, scene was geared toward something – that wasn't really based on the soil, even though it was somewhat of an ag college. It was. Uh, so anyway, this. In those so, days when you and I were of that age, and probably the majority of our audience, they were just setting it up to be able to pr produce all these little snowflakes that we see everywhere. Bob, let me try something here. I had somebody that tried to call in new a minute ago. I didn't recognize it. I finally found a profile for them, and I want to just check and see if, if, if they were wanting to be added to the conversation. So let me just interrupt what you and I were talking about here for just a second and see if they pick up here. Give it a try. And we'll see if they do or not. Uh, they sent me a handshake and stuff, and I'm just trying to figure out this software, you know, actually. Mm -hmm. So uh, did we get them there, or did the, uh, are we there, Juan Preacher? Well, guess not. I, 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 you know, look, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what to do with this 
this thing. I thought I had it yeah. under control, but uh, it's thrown me for a loop here. And especially with those ones that they're not listening to the show. They're wanting to call in and listen, see? And they're yeah, not right. listening. Well, I'm saying I can't answer the phone. So what I'll start doing when that happens is I'm very rudely, I'm going to have to put people like you right now on hold. If somebody calls in, if Juan Preacher calls right back in here, I'm going to have to put him, put you on hold, Bob, and whoever else is on our conversation and go answer that call and explain it and then come back, which I don't want to do. It's very, I consider that very rude from the position that I've got here, but I don't have any other choice, it looks like. Yeah. Incidentally, I don't I don't know if you look at it often, but KBC is up to 2.0265. It is at an all-time high. Good, good. Well, that's nice. It's going to go much higher. And it seems to be sustaining it. It's, it's been up in that range for a day plus now, which is uh, here about three days ago, around the 18th, it went 10x on volume, just went crazy, dropped out of bed, dropped clear down to like a buck fifty, and then within an hour it shot clear up to 225, 223, and uh, 230, whatever. Anyway, huge volume, and now it's the volume's back down to quote, quote unquote normal, but it's continuing to climb steadily and slowly and jaggedly, but you know. Predictably, it looks like at this point. Well, more well, encouraging. Well, anything attached to gold is going to do real well. It's going to be real fun for a bunch of us to sit back as this thing really gets traction and starts going up, and sit there and watch it. It's going to be a, a wonderful feeling to know that we were involved from the inception, and uh, it, it's going to be very beneficial for those who bellied up to the bar. I believe you saw the article the other day. Well, this guy, Sam Zell, Bob, did you see that? I saw it. I didn't read it. But, yeah, I, I saw where he was saying, I've never really been interested in gold, but I'm fixing to get in. Uh, he's a pretty big-time hedge fund guy of of some yeah. renown, okay? And basically, for the audience right. that didn't see it, he said, I'm buying gold for the first time in my life. Yeah. Well, so, I never did actually mention what was in the article, Roger, and for those that don't read Zero Hedge or don't have access to a computer, I'll break it down just a little bit. They got about 10 bars to the left of zero and 10 to the right of zero with increments of liberalist or conservative, liberal or conservative, which I still think is a bogus <laughs> a bogus uh, metric in the, in the way we use the terms, but print and media newspapers and print media were so heavily biased as to almost be considerably, you know, 98% to the left and, and, and very much so. Entertainment, the same. Academics, the same. Online computer services, the same. Pharmaceutical, meh, a little bit on the right side with the red, but very little. Legal, it was a little closer to legal. And then we go to agriculture and we just flip the curve. Yep. Flip the curve. It's all, all red to the right. Building and constructions, all red to the right. The blue is higher. The liberals are higher. Mining, gas and coal, tobacco, real estate is oh, it's kind of a dead heat. Banking and finance, kind of a dead heat. 
anyway, it's just uh, when you get the lobbyists, they're like a mirror image. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So I guess there's as many crooked conservatives as there are crooked liberals. Well, you know, unfortunately, and you hit a, you hit a really important topic. I saw somebody actually talk intelligently about this the other day, but they still didn't get it totally. And that's how they've skewed the political scale. Because we've been taught that left is communist and right is fascist. When those things are all right down together, socialism, communism, fascism, are all very closely uh, together positioned over on the left end of the true political spectrum where the right side is not fascism but is anarchy. But they've put such a negative connotation with that word anarchy in people's minds through the Bolshevik Revolution and the communist revolutions that people don't think of it as self-rule. And that's really what it is, right. is self-rule under these right under these laws of, of nature and nature's God. You know, um, yeah. it was interesting. Daryl. Well, and at the same time, fascism has such a bad name because it's associated with, with uh, Mussolini in particular and the fasci. But the fact is that I don't know how we could be a lot more fascist right now, you know, as a nation. Well, we're on our we're we're heavily in that direction. Um, I mentioned it oh the my. other day, and we've had this uh, this discussion I, 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 on the show because I'm not ambivalent. I just don't honestly didn't know. And from talking about it on the program, our good loyal listener and friend Daryl, who's always got his nose digging around somewhere was dug into this case and a brief that was associated with it on standing uh, you know standing brent informed me i wasn't aware of this standing is a concept that's unique to our law okay yeah i remember him saying that the other day and standing means in the civil law no and standing means your ability to hurt or be touched by a case you know, right? You uh, have a, you have you have skin in the game. You have a reason to be heard. Basically, that there's a reason that you're there. All right, and so yeah. this uh, this section here, and I, I was looking at it, and quite frankly, I just don't particularly like reading all this gobbledygook stuff anymore. But I do occasionally, and um, so I'm reading through this because I think this is an important point that I just have never been able to get an answer for what do you do with our status of people as it deals with these manoral courts which is what i believe they are and it's uh, talking about here and it says to overcome the article three limitations on standing often referred to as the injury in fact, and that's in quotes, the injury in fact requirement. The plaintiff must at a minimum show an actual or threatened injury caused by the defendant and that a favorable judicial decision is likely to redress the injury. Well, now that's common law. The injury, in fact, what makes common law so viable and what they hate so much is you got to have an injured party. 
you got to have somebody that's actually, and it says maybe here, even threatened injury. So even potential injury might fall under that umbrella. But here they call it specifically often referred to as the quote-unquote injury in fact requirement. And it has to do with standing. Yeah. It can't just be a matter of getting your feelings hurt. So standing, uh, so a standing in their court, should a state citizen, a U.S. national, be harmed, they've got standing is what this appears to tell me. I sent it to Brent, and I sent it uh, uh, up to uh, Patrick for uh, Ike. Mm-hmm. For his legal beagle. Well, to have them look at it, I'm having coughing fits here this morning, and to have them look at it and read through it and see if if what I pulled out of there is correct. And that's kind of what I've always thought. See, they can't exclude you, but if you go to, you know, the other day we had um, the photostatic copy of the original filings of the Brushhaber case. We talked about it on the air, Frank Brushhaber, for those of you who don't know. Mm-hmm. Frank Bushhaber brought the first case. It ended up at the Supreme Court on the newly, falsely ratified 16th Amendment. And the name of the case is uh, uh, Bushhaber versus Union Pacific Railroad. And the case was about some bonds that Frank Bushhaber owned of the Union Pacific Railroad, and they were trying to tax him on those bonds. And if you look at the photostatic copy of the filings, this is the filing now. Okay, and at the filing, Frank Bushhaber, a citizen of the state of New York and a resident of the borough of Brooklyn. But the first one was a citizen of the state of New York. That's a jurisdictional statement. Because now, since the change, because that was back in 1916, 1917, 18 Mm -hmm. in that range. All right. So the change in government and the change in the systems that administrate government had not changed at that point. They were still the old ones. So now if you go into any of these manorial courts, these government administrative courts that we call courts, and you go into any of the filings, Bob, their jurisdictional statement is Bob Morgan, a resident of, boom, They don't do the state citizen reference anymore. That's the jurisdictional statement. So that's got to be the statement for the court. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's correct, yes. And so, but if you're not one of those. Exactly, did that change? Well, they didn't do it over. They did it after the bankruptcy because before then they didn't really, all they had was black residents. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm sure it was gradual, but one of the things that they implemented this with, I'm sure, was the federal rules of civil procedure that that you have to follow as an attorney, rule so-and-so, 12B6, Failure to state a claim on which relief can be granted. That's the that's the favorite one in their little nursery. Twelve B six, twelve B six, twelve B six. Kind of yeah, kind of a catch all. Yep. 
But my sense is from reading this a little bit, maybe we can talk to Brent about it on Friday, is that if you are a national and one of these other statuses harms you, you can probably bring a case in that venue. Now, that's going to come in very important for people like Patrick that want to start gearing all his business activities to this status. So, if you want to put it this way, the national would have standing in either venue, but the the, uh, U.S. citizen slash resident would only have standing in uh in the civil court over in those courts that they everybody for some reason wants they just i don't know why these people that think like we do just want all they can do is think about court oh court this court all i can think about is avoiding it (laughs) it amazes me it amazes me well here here's this federal rules here in this the very top of this paragraph on standing these multi-paragraph before the plaintiffs filed their amended complaint the commission filed a motion to dismiss pursuant to federal rules of civil procedure 12b1 okay so it's not only 12b6 there's 12b1 they just got a whole bunch of them they just well we'll just throw this one at them Well, if one and six both work, you'd assume two, three, four, and five are probably of similar of similar uh, intent. Yep, that's the dismissal pantry over there. The twelve Bs. <laughs> I got hit with yep. that twelve B six. I'm telling you, man. I after that after that little foray I had with the IRS. That's why I just, my heart goes out to Chris Cave because I know what that guy's mm-hmm. going through. I mean, I don't know. I can only imagine, okay, because the little interaction I had with him in this arena was absolute total misery. Well, as you said, and Brent said, just because you win, it don't mean you win. It just means that the settlement went your way, but you've invested Certainly weeks, probably months, possibly years, decades even, and and even getting to that point. And uh, most people, unless they're independently wealthy, very wealthy and very knowledgeable, just don't have the resources to maintain that kind of a that kind of a uh, in uh, entrenched battle over that period of time. I mean, or, or not that like I have to explain it to you, but it, it doesn't drain you mentally. It doesn't drain you physically. It doesn't drain you financially, socially. It drains you every way. There's just no way, you know, it, it's just bad in every direction. It is bad karma. I've been there. I encourage you. <laughs> if if you're one of those people from Missouri, noted, I didn't say Kansas, Bob. If you're one of those people <laughs> from Missouri and you just got to you just got to learn the hard way. Well, then you go ahead and learn the hard way. But I doubt if what the lesson you walk away from in that experience will be very much different from pretty much what Bob just said. <laughs> it is yeah. it is no picnic 
Okay. And uh, it's, it's the old, it's like Pastor Peters used to say, never wrestle with the pig. All you can do is get dirty, and the pig likes it. Yeah. No doubt. Bad idea. I mean, they get to, they get to climb their career path ladder on your scalp. And if you like them doing that, then just knock yourself out. Yeah, I, I can't imagine in Are you cutting out or what, Bob? Sorry again? I said were you cutting out? It sounded like you were saying something. Oh your... my phone just my phone just switched over to the pickup. I I was on my earbuds and it just switched over on me. Okay. Well, let me apologize my, to uh, to Juan Preacher here, who I couldn't get back with, and I didn't wasn't adept in thinking on my feet enough to switch over and welcome his call. But he did send me some sort of a you know a handshake thing, I think. And so, anyway, if you're still listening, Juan Preacher, I would love to have spoken with you. Pardon the confusion here. We're still in transition, Bob. We got the main guys down though, but it's the other it's the peripheral guys, uh like these phone numbers that either aren't identified with a profile or I don't know. Jeez almighty, it's confusing. All I want to do is just get on here and do a little, you know, two hour get together with you guys every day. And they have to make it so damn complex, you know. So Yeah, well, I haven't taken you up on getting Skype because every time you encourage people to get Skype, but the next day you're, you're fussing about it in Arkansas. Well, it's not. No, <laughs> I, can it, see the, I can see the benefits, but I just I mm-hmm. shunned it just because I've, I'm not that technically adapted. And, and, uh, just, uh, well, you know, Bob, yeah, like anyway. this, this phone connection you've got today, right now, is excellent. But I was okay. talking to Chris the other day, yesterday, when I couldn't do a show. He had called in. I wanted to call him back and let him know I wasn't coming back. And um, I yeah. said, what kind of phone? Are you using earbuds or the phone? He said, no, I'm talking in the phone. First of all, I want to say, Chris, get yourself a set, get yourself a set of earbuds or have brain cancer because you're spending way too much time with that thing plugged up to your ear, first of all. Okay? And you're way too smart not to n- know that's going on. And secondly, what kind of phone are you using? He said, oh, Motorola Z or something. And what I've noticed about Chris's phone is every time when he initiates some sort of a conversation, it overmodulates there at the first t- tremendously. As he starts getting into what he's going to say, it calms back down, but you almost always miss the front end of what he's saying. So that's why I encourage I encourage people to do the Skype thing because it's real easy on your end to call in, but we get that digital fidelity. Now, if they were all calls that are up to the caliber and the level of fidelity yours is today in this conversation, usually yours is a little scratchy. This one today is real good. Huh. I'm not sure what's different because I'm still on the same iPhone. Oftentimes, I'm on the speaker in my vehicle. That may be. But 
the difference? I have. Then I initiated the call in the vehicle, switched over to my earbuds, went in the house, did some things, came back out, and what happens is the the, the, tra- the trade over to the earbuds is seamless. Yes. So when it goes back and the and the dash takes over and grabs the signal from my phone, there's like a two or three second delay when it's trying to get everything coordinated, and that's what you were asking. Okay. Okay, that's what happened. That's what happened a minute ago. Um, well, they kept and they kept gold about in the range today. It's still in the 1280, 82 range. The market is uh, down 300 and something points. We're real close to hitting some some kind of very turbulent black swan event. Don't know what it's going to be. Of course, maybe multiples. But uh, the the foreboding and the bad news and the comments and the sentiments everywhere. And you don't have to go to too many different websites that specialize in a little bit more financial honesty and truth to pick up the tenor of what's going on out there, Bob. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really don't understand, I'm, and I mean that in, in. I'm not just using it as a colloquialism. I, I don't see how they have managed to maintain this fragile balance this long because there's so many breaches in the dike I just don't see how it's staying up uh, man well Bob I, I would say credit, I gotta give him credit for maintaining the facade it's, I, it's, it's pretty good I would have to say that you and everybody else is in that exact same situation oh. And everyone, the so-called experts in the metals field and whatnot, are all and have been for a number of years just totally amazed that they've been able to carry it this far. But they have, and they may be able to dribble it a little bit further down the road, but we're getting real close to a moment of truth for these guys. And uh, the, the building has been eaten out by termites. So just keep your hands on, you know, uh, as good information you can get. We'll cover the main stuff here uh, that at least pertains to the approach that we take and the perspective that we prefer to uh, to use. And um, we'll see where it goes. Boy, there's a bunch of stuff shaping up and a bunch of stuff going on, though. Go out and buy you a MAGA hat and see if you can go get assaulted somewhere. <laughs> I saw the headline. I hadn't been able to read the story yet. It happened right as I was going on the air. I think that's great, yeah. really. Well, essentially, he said, it doesn't matter what we say. They twist and ring it any way they want to anyway. Screw them. I'm not interested in entertaining them anymore. We're just not doing it. And I'm thinking, fine. You know, I don't have a problem with it. To me, it's like a, it's just another gift as the government shut down. Just, that's fine. I don't need it. Well, and, and the more more he anyway. the more he does stuff like that, and this deal with Nancy Pelosi's plane the other day, the more it just absolutely oh, yeah. aggravates them to no end, and the more it brings supporters into his corner. I think, I think the American people are absolutely fed up with this two-party political crap. Yeah, 
Okay, and I think Trump well, when is. I saw what he did. I just laughed out loud. Yeah, I mean, it just it just stunned, stunned me that he was that in your face about it, and I applaud him for doing it because somebody needs to bring attention to the duplicity. Yep. Well, he's certainly doing a good job of that. Bob, thanks for calling in today. I don't know if anybody else tried and couldn't get through. Sorry for the confusion. We'll try and straighten it out again tomorrow. Hopefully, we're going to have Paul with us, and uh, we'll see what comes up to talk about. Hope you guys have a great day. From uh, lovely Kumbaya, Ecuador, Bob, I'm going out to have lunch with the expats today and go to the grocery store and all that stuff. So uh, I'll see you all tomorrow. Have a great day. Okay, buddy? Thank you, sir. Good day. See you soon.